Welcome to the Capital Edge Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that this inspires, challenges, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into the message. Well, today I'm going to continue on with our theme, uh, Justice Really Matters. If you remember uh, about three weeks ago, I opened up this topic and I started talking about a God of justice. I think it's important that we start from that place because it is God who is the foundation of true justice. He is justice. He is just. And when it comes to any meaningful conversations about justice, I don't think we can actually hold them without considering the God factor. In fact, it was he who gave us the commandments, who gave us the foundation for our judicial system. And so it's important for us to understand that when we're talking about justice, we have to talk about God. And so we talked about a couple of weeks ago that God is just. Deuteronomy 32 verses 3 and 4. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of truth, without injustice, righteous and upright is he. What a great scripture. Righteous and upright, just in all of his ways. But we talked about the fact that not only is God just, but he's also righteous. He is also righteous and those two words are not interchangeable. They mean something slightly different. I think I defined it as such that God's righteousness is the pure motivation of his justice, the administration of his justice. Therefore, God's justice is always fair. It's always right. It's always true because his motive is always pure. He is a God of justice and righteousness. In fact, when you look through the Bible, You find that many times the word justice is mentioned. It is also mentioned in parallel with righteousness. The two work hand in hand. And we had a look at Psalm 89 verse 14, which says this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. I I loved how the New Living Translation puts it. It it puts it in a way that we can picture it. It puts it in in a metaphor of a throne. It says this, your throne is founded on two strong pillars, justice and righteousness. I love that. I I imagine the throne of God, his rule, his reign that is established and founded on these two mighty strong pillars of righteousness and justice. We talked about the fact that the problem is mankind's justice is crumbling because mankind has been chipping away for many years because of our sinful nature, been chipping away at the pillar of righteousness. We've said, God, we can't keep to your plan on this one. God, we fall short of your righteous plan on this one. So let's just chip away at that pillar and and let's fill it with uh, self-expediency. Let's get rid of some of God's righteousness that we could never possibly attain to. And let's replace that with what works best for me. What works best for me? And as a result, man's justice is crumbling because of that. And so then we had a look at what does godly justice look like? 
What does it look like? And we had a look at a wonderful psalm, Psalm 146, which is an incredible psalm because that psalm talks about the rule and the reign of God. It talks about his justice and what his justice looks like. We talked about uh, God's justice emphasizing restoration, not compensation. Verse 7, we only had a look at that one verse, verse 7, which says this at the beginning. It says, who gives justice to the oppressed. And that word justice there, which is used throughout the Old Testament, is the word mishpat, which means to restore. To restore. You see, God's focus when it comes to justice is not punishment, but it's always restorative. It's always to bring things back to his order, the right way of things. The verse goes on, says, gives food to the hungry. He gives food to the hungry. Later on, verse 9 says, he cares for the orphan and the widow. And we talked about the fact that God's justice emphasizes activation not just demonstration, that godly justice will actually get out there and do something. It will activate something. It won't just just demonstrate or protest, but it activates. Godly justice will always do something. And then we had a look at the last part of that verse, verse 7. It says, the Lord frees the prisoners. And we talked about the fact that God's justice emphasizes liberation, not incarceration. That he says, I have come to set the captives free. And I think we can look around this building today and we can all testify of the fact that once we were bound in sin, once we were lost in sin, once we were hopeless, we had no sense of purpose in life, but God came along and he set us free and he gave us liberty and he gave us hope and assurance for tomorrow. Amen. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. So let's continue on this morning with that psalm, Psalm 146. We're going to look at the next two verses, verses 8 and 9. It says this, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. I love that. Remembering that the context of this psalm is all about God's rule and God's justice. So what's the next thing we notice in this passage about godly justice? Verse 8, it says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. He opens the eyes of the blind. The blind. You see, God's justice emphasizes vision, not division. It emphasizes vision. There's a certain way of seeing things. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, well known proverb, it says this Where there is no vision, the people perish. But I think it's the NIV version that says it this way. And uh, I think the translation is slightly more accurate. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. They cast off restraint. There are no uh, boundaries. There are uh, no definition. There's, there's nothing holding things back. You could, could say a little bit like this. When you don't put vision in front of people, when you don't inspire people with a vision and a positive future and a hope of tomorrow, 
they will easily fall into the ways of injustice, is what it's saying. They will easily fall into the ways of injustice. You've just got to look at nations around the world where there is great oppression and there is injustices of all sorts of kinds. And at the foundation of that injustice are usually two things. Usually it's the greed of those in authority, but also with that goes a sense of hopelessness for the people. Where can we go with this? What future is there? There is no vision of a better tomorrow. But I love the fact that when God talks about justice, it's opening our eyes, opening our blind eyes and seeing a promise, seeing a purpose, seeing a future that there is in tomorrow. Listen to what God says to his people. His people have turned their back on him. He has warned them. He has encouraged them to come back to himself time and time again. His people have rejected him, turned their back, and now they are in exile in Babylon. They are in slavery. They are facing oppression, and there's all sorts of injustices under this cruel regime. But listen to what God says to them in Jeremiah 29. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans of good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I'll listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I will bring you home again to your own land. You see, in this situation where there is gross injustice, where there's slavery, where there is division, God says, hang on, guys, don't keep looking at those things. Don't keep looking at the division of what's going on, but lift your eyes. Take your eyes off of the situation for a moment and let me give you a vision of a greater tomorrow. I think it's such an important message because we all need a vision of a greater tomorrow when we're talking restrictions and we're talking problems and we're talking things that are pandemic and epidemic, we need to know that God is the God of tomorrow. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And He has a plan for tomorrow. You know, often the best way to fight injustice is to inspire with a hope for tomorrow, to give fresh vision. Just imagine Martin Luther King, 1963, Stands up, the Lincoln Memorial. He stands up there, he's about to give that famous speech. But imagine he gets up there and he says this, I have a nightmare. I have a nightmare. It is a recurring nightmare of the atrocities and the injustices and all of the bad things that have been waged against my people. And this nightmare is haunting me day in and day out. No, he didn't say that. I think if he had said that, I think it would have done very little. I think it may have just reinforced the divide (laughs) between people. There might have been more violence. There might have been more injustice. But no, he cried out at the top of his voice, I have a dream for a better tomorrow. For a better tomorrow. If you're suffering under injustice whether it be at school or the workplace or university or in a dysfunctional family environment, 
Let me encourage you today. Start reminding yourself that God has a plan for your life. He has a plan that's full of purpose and full of promise and fruitfulness and hope and joy for you. We need to elevate your vision for tomorrow above the division of today. You need to see that today's restriction is tomorrow's release and reward. Amen. He opens the eyes of the blind. God's justice emphasizes vision, not division. The verse goes on and says this. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. He lifts up those who are weighed down. What does this tell us about God's justice? God's justice emphasizes elevation, not suppression. It emphasizes elevation. God's justice lifts the burden. It elevates. Godly justice means that no matter what has been done, you can walk tall, not be bowed down by the injustices of yesterday, not suppressed, not downcast, not defeated, but lift your head. Psalm 3.3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and you're the lifter of my head. This Monday, I noticed on a current affair on TV that this Monday just been was the 40th anniversary of a little baby called Azaria Chamberlain being taken at Ayers Rock or Illaroo by Dingoes. And on current affair, they interviewed Lindy the one who went to prison for a crime she did not commit. And as they were interviewing her, I I just noticed that this is 40 years. This is 40 years that this happened. And I noticed it, it just took that long for her to be registering once again with the pain and the hurt of the injustices that she had to face. 40 years after. You see... Worldly justice condemns and it suppresses, but godly justice forgives and elevates. It forgives and it elevates. The gospel message, that wonderful message, the good news is that God, a God not just of love, but also of justice, sent his son Jesus to pay the atoning price for our sin, to deal with the requirements of his love, but also his justice, so that we could actually be elevated from our sin, to be lifted up out of the miry clay and have our feet set upon a rock, the sure foundation of Jesus Christ's saving grace, and to be made righteous before him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's why it says in Romans 8, verses 1 to 12, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Wow. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You know, I I just felt as I was preparing this message that some of you need to lift your eyes. Some of you need to lift your head. I'm not going to be 
bowed down. I'm not going to be stooped low. I'm not going to be suppressed by the circumstances that I face. Look how he lifted me. His grace, his mercy is my testimony. We sing it enough, do we believe it? Look how he lifted me. Because God's justice emphasizes elevation, not suppression. This is such a powerful message, such an important message for us to understand in terms of God's justice. The verse goes on and says this, verse 8. I love this. The Lord loves the godly. Some of your Bibles will say the Lord loves the righteous. You see, God's justice emphasizes correction, not rejection. Correction. The Lord loves the godly. You see, often when the world passes on judgment, it also passes on rejection. I just find it ironic that we drive past correctional facilities but in reality they're rejectional facilities what those facilities are saying is that we are actually removing you from society because on the basis of your behavior we don't accept you you know society's full of those who have been rejected But God's justice says this. It says, though you've been tainted by sin, though there are things in your life that need dealing with, I'm reaching out to you. I want to offer my arms of love and forgiveness to you. I want to make these things right again. I accept you. I want to make you clean as the driven snow. Wasn't great to see the snow on the hills this morning. Clean as the driven snow see godly justice doesn't say come to me and i'll punish you because you deserve it godly justice says this come to me i'll forgive you we'll work on some things and i'll make you right again i'm not rejecting you i'm correcting you it's why in hebrews it says the lord disciplines those who he loves god's correction is a facet of his intense love for us. Just imagine a world where we functioned with that kind of godly justice. Just imagine rather than dealing out rejection and punishment, we dealt out correction with love. I reckon the world would be so different. I reckon things would be so vastly different than they are now. God's justice emphasizes correction not rejection verse 9 follows on and says this the lord protects the foreigners among us the lord protects the foreigners among us you see god's justice emphasizes unification not segregation unification not segregation worldly justice is so often steered by and and marred by prejudices and if we're not careful we can allow those same prejudices to enter into the church and the church can fall into a way of thinking that is not necessarily what God would do 
my parents were, they met in South Africa. My mum's parents were missionaries. My father was a youth pastor at the time in South Africa. They met and got engaged and got married, but it was back under the days of apartheid. And they actually had to have two weddings. The first wedding that they had was at their white church. And then the second wedding, which was the next day, they went out to the coloured church that they were looking after and they had a wedding at that church as well. And church just accepted that that's the way it was, that this apartheid thing was the way it had to be. Apartheid, when you look at it, was so opposite the way that God thinks. So opposite the way that he thinks. This is what John Piper, the theologian, says. He says, the issue of racial prejudice and snubbing and suspicion and mistreatment is not a social issue. It is a blood of Jesus issue. What does he mean by that? You see, because when Jesus died on a cross, his son, uh, God's son, died to reconcile us to himself and alien people groups to each other into one body called the body of Christ. Ephesians 2.14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Godly justice brings unity, not separation. I love the fact that the Bible would indicate that cultures are eternal. Read in Revelation chapter 7, every tribe... Every tongue and every nation will bow down before the Lord. You see, our racial differences are to be enjoyed and they're to be celebrated in a spirit of unity. And let me tell you, it's a unity which can only be truly found in Jesus Christ. When I was doing my... Bachelor of Education, we had, a unit, we had a unit of study called Unity and Diversity. It was all about the fact that Australia is a multicultural country. It is culturally diverse. You know, as we were looking at that unit, there's something that I really discovered and that was that undermining all this talk about multiculturalism is an unhealthy root of racism that needs to be severed in our country. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with racism? Well, we turn to godly justice that reconciles us and unites all of us through Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you as a a church that if you find yourself stereotyping racial groups with prejudice, you need to get back to the cross of Christ. Need to get back to that place and remember what Christ has done, that through his blood, he has reconciled us to Father God and he has reconciled us to each other in the one body. Already talked about caring for the orphan and the widow, which is what the next verse says. Let's look at the last indicator this morning of godly justice in verse 9. 
but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. He frustrates the plans of the wicked. Not he puts up with the plans of the wicked. He frustrates the plans of the wicked. You see, God's justice emphasizes his dominion, not man's ambition. Emphasizes his dominion. See, why are the world's plans often frustrated? I'll tell you why. Because mankind wants to be on the throne. He wants to be on the throne. The world wants the throne to be balanced on the pillars of its own interpretation of justice and selfish ambition. I've got to tell you, this week we saw this, and I don't like being political from the pulpit. But here it is anyway, just throw it out there. There was this bill that was going to be passed in the ACT about conversion therapy and all those sorts of things. And it was going to be passed and thank the Lord that there were some people like our, uh, our own Andrew Wall here today and, and others in the, in the local liberals who, who actually said, no, this isn't right. It's not right that we do this. It's not right that we stand on this premise, especially on the fact that it hasn't really been researched properly. That you can't expect a kid of a certain age to, to, to determine one day he's going to be Jane and the next day he's going to be Julie. I thank God that that was able to be blocked for the short term, but it's just one of those examples of man's plans being frustrated because God is on the throne. God is on the throne. We need to remind ourselves. We need to remind ourselves that God is on the throne. He is in control. That his kingdom, his dominion shall know no end. That ultimately his justice will reign and it will have the final say. So easy to get bowed down by restrictions and regulations and, and, and things that have been rushed through while everyone else is looking over here. They're trying to get stuff through here. And it's so easy to get locked down into that. And they go, oh man, how are we ever going to face this? What can we do as a church? But friends, let's remind ourselves that God is greater, that he is bigger that he is in control, that we are his people. We are the head and not the tail. And we can act in the authority that he has given us to overcome the enemy and all that he would try to do. 1 Chronicles 29, 11 to 13. This is said by an earthly king. Keep that in mind. It is said by King David. It is said by a king who at the time, he was probably the greatest ruler of the then known world. He says this, Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honour come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Friends, do not get frustrated at the injustices of this world. 
but remind yourself, He's a God of justice. He's in control. And His kingdom will reign forever. Amen. Let's close our eyes this morning. God's justice emphasizes restoration, not compensation. Activation, not demonstration. Liberation, not incarceration. Vision, not division. Elevation, not suppression. Correction, not rejection. Unification, not segregation. And his dominion, not man's ambition. You see, justice really matters. And I thank God. He's not just a God of justice, he's a God of love. And that means that we can totally trust him with our life. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for our sin, to reconcile ourselves back to Him. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life, if you're here today, you may have made some decision a while ago and you've turned your back on those things. God is calling to you today to say, come home, come back to Jesus. Re-identify yourself with Him. Accept Him as Lord and Saviour of your life. Is there anyone here today that says, yeah, that's me. I used to follow Him. I want to accept Him as Lord and Saviour of my life. I want to turn from the way I was living. I want to follow His ways in my life. I recognise that Jesus is the Son of God and that He came, died upon a cross and took my sin upon His shoulders so that I could be restored and reconciled back to God. Is there anyone today that says, yeah, that's me. I want to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. Can I ask you to just do this thing? Just raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it straight down again. And then we as a church will pray a simple prayer, inviting Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life. Anyone today, while no one's looking around, is that you? Why don't you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, there was another group of people I really wanted to pray for this morning. And that is, I just felt that there were a number of people. It's time to lift your head above the circumstances. You've been walking with a stoop. You've been walking bowed down by the circumstances that you are facing at the moment. It's time to walk tall. It's time to walk tall. You need to declare I'm not going to allow this world to suppress me. I'm going to trust in my God, my shield, my glory, the lifter of my head. If that's you this morning, can I ask you to stand to your feet and say, yep, that's me. I'm going to declare. I'm not going to be stooped down by this world and the circumstances. I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to walk in the authority of God on my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just wait a 
moment longer. If that's you, please stand to your feet this morning with these others. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're the shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. And Lord, I just thank you for every person who has responded this morning. They are declaring, just by the stand alone, they are declaring, Lord, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to stoop down. I'm not going to accept uh, the circumstances that are thrown at me, but I'm going to stand in the authority of who I am as a child of God. I'm not going to accept this. Lord, I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to stand tall. I'm going to stand in the promises and the goodness and the blessing that you have for my life. And Lord, we pray that there will be incredible testimony from each of these lives of your goodness and your favour and your breakthrough in situations that they face. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Capital Edge podcast. If this ministry has impacted your life or you've made a decision for Christ today, we would love to hear about it. Please get in contact with us on our social media accounts. God bless your church. We'll see you next week.